Hello and welcome to Comic Book Junto, episode 114. I'm your host, Octavius A. Newman. I am a geek culture philosopher, and I'm here with my co-host, Adam Jumanji. Mm-hmm. Tetris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jumanji. What is the name of the sequel? The, the new one coming out. I don't know. Be- Jumanji. Back in the game. I, I think that's Ju- what it's called. Jumanji. Robin's put, back. Put your quarter up. Yeah. Yeah. Jumanji. Dance Dance Revolution. Jumanji. I got next. <laughs> Jumanji, yeah. you don't see my quarter right there? Yo, hold up. Wait, yo, wait a minute. Hold up. You don't see my quarter right there? Jumanji. My controller's not working. It's not that I'm bad. It's my controller's not working. Yeah. That's what it is. Yo, you cheating. Jumanji, you cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Jumanji, I game cheating. It's not even fair. Jumanji. Every time I, I hate to come on over here. I hate this game. Every time I come over here, I'm about to win. Did it just the game be cheating? Nah, man, get off me. Let's take a quick side by right here. What was the what was the worst? Most intense fight you've gotten into with friends. That's a caveat. With friends over a video game. I don't remember. You don't? But I rem- I don't remember what the game Can was. you confirm that it has happened? I, it, it has happened. Of course. I don't remember the game. But I, re- <laughs> I am not proud of this story. <laughs> but I am going to tell it. And I was young when this happened. I had to have been below, like, Maybe early teens, okay. like below fourteen for sure. Below Y'all 14. huddle up. This is this is the story of how Octavius did real time. Okay, in federal prison, <laughs> we were playing something on Sega Genesis, mm-hmm. and I don't even remember what what person this was, but there was I think it was a friend of the friend of the family, not blood, but a friend of the family was over the house, right? Mm-hmm. And we we're playing something. And he is talking so <laughs> much trash. He had done, so, he was just saying something and so and so and so. And I was getting so mad. And you know how, like, you're sitting side to side on a bed, <laughs> facing the TV, <laughs> controllers in each other. <laughs> like, this is going to be a scene. I can picture it in an animation Feet, or a legs movie dangling or off the side of the bed. Yeah. Something. Because mm-hmm. I could see this so vividly. The room is dark and it's only lit by the screen. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just to give you the full visual here, right? And we're sitting there and he's talking trash. He's looking at the screen. And I turn and look at him. And you know one of those things where you're like, I am so angry. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. And I literally full force backhanded no. the mess out of him. <laughs> and it was like I had done it oh. before I processed. It's like I, I, I don't want to say I blacked out because that doesn't take responsibility. But I, but I understand. But there's like a, it was like a, it was almost like a blip of judgment. And within that blip of judgment, I had done it. And by the time I had done it, I was like, oh, my God, I've just mm. lost my mind. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is, like, why on earth Like, why on earth would you right. ever do something like well, you're, that? Well, you're, you're lizard brain. That's what happens, right? Like, I, but I just fool. And, and, you know, it's one of those things, like, where you do it, but you don't think, you're not going to do it hard. Like, you, you're, you're having, I could hit him. I'm not going to hit him. I'm not going to. Well, if you hit him, I wouldn't hit him hard. You know, you're, like, it happens this fast. Mm-hmm. Man, this dude's head flew back, and I was just like, oh, my God. And I was like, I'm going to get in so much trouble. And I hit him way, way harder than I thought I would. He drops. You're sitting there, you know, cheeks red, flustered and a little embarrassed because you can't believe you just did that. cheeks were not red. All right. I feel you. Cheeks onyx. (laughs) Gleaming. 
he's he went down, and there's just this moment of 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 you know what do I do? How, how, how do I make this right? Yeah. And then somewhere in the background, almost like the voice of God, just goes perfect, right? And that's and you're like, ah, oh, good work, soldier. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, man. I'm not. I am not making excuses uh-huh. because I understand. I do understand what that feeling is like when you just boil over and then you instantly realize this is not important, actually. Yeah. Like, this is not important. It's a video game. My, in, in my case, it wasn't something that I did to someone else. Mm-hmm. I was trying to introduce this new fun variation of Halo, Halo 1. We, we pl- I played Halo with my friends for so long mm-hmm. that we would have to come up with our own new versions of Halo, like new games, different stuff to do to keep it fun. Right. You know, messing around with the Jeeps or everybody's got active camouflage and all you can do is shoot the uh, uh, plasma at each other, uh-huh. whatever. Right. And I, I house rules basically. Yeah. It came up with some house rules that I think a friend of mine told me about. It was fun. Mm-hmm. And I was telling a friend of mine, we should play this. We should play this. And I play it with my group of friends. We're all having a good time, except for one guy mm. who's not having a good time. He's having a miserable time. Uh-huh. And I was, you know, I'm sure I was being asinine and I was like, everybody else is enjoying it. Come on, man. Just play, just have fun. And, I'm sure I was not making it easier for him and egging him on. Like, you should have fun. Stop being so mean about it. Don't, don't, don't cause this friction. Mm-hmm. He got so upset with me. He walks over. This is, I don't know, early 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in the basement of his parents' house, mm-hmm. which is where we hung all the time. Our sanctuary, yeah. right? It's our, it's our space. Right. And he, he walks, puts the controller down. He walks over to the wall where there's a phone mounted on the wall. Don't you know he put in my my mom's phone number, picked up the phone. What? Said, uh, Mrs. Tetris, Adam has to go home. <laughs> and she she came over and picked my ass up. What? Wait a minute. Yeah. He called your mom on you? Yeah, I got benched. <laughs> He's like, that's it. That's it. And what are you going to do? You know, I'm like, no, I don't. I was in his... <laughs> <laughs> and you got to understand, I'm, I'm, as, I, as, I say this, as I say this, I, I have to, I have to clarify this, this guy, he's, he's one of my best friends. He's my brother. He is blood. You know, mm-hmm. I love him. Um, and <laughs> you argue like brothers do, you know, we argue like family. Right. But what was I going to do? Just stay in his home. I was going to do it. He, so he called, call my mom. <laughs> Sent me wow. Home. He called my mom. And you know, we have a phone conversation the next day and it's like nothing ever happened. And what did we do to make up? Play Halo. Right. Yeah. Right. Damn. I will never forget that. And I was like, that is crazy. You know what's funny about this whole conversation? (laughs) Um, Like the things that you learn when you're younger Mm -hmm. and how you deal with them when you're an adult. Mm -hmm. Like right now. I know there's some people like so I've never done anything like that ever again. Like hit somebody off a of trash talk. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah, but what I so what what the the updated version of it is? Mm-hmm. I've never been a trash talker. Mm-hmm. I don't like trash talkers, and I always want to hurt trash talkers. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So when I wrestled, I was like one of the, one of the only black guys on the team mm-hmm. always because you know, depending upon where you are, black people don't wrestle. So when I go to college. There's a similar version of a guy talking trash. Oh, man, da-da-da-da. Because this is when the, the UFC right now is on ESPN and MMA and da-da-da-da. I was, I remember I watched UFC number two in 1994 with my uncle. Mm-hmm. So I was a kid. Yeah. And so I have been, like, watching and practicing and doing jujitsu and all that kind of stuff since then. 
So wrestling and jujitsu, if you know anything about that, they're 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 like cousins, but they're not the same. Okay. One thing is like jujitsu, I fall right on my back. I have no problem. Wrestling is like the last thing you want to do is be on your back because the match course, ends you on get your back. So these guys used to talk trash all the time to me, like oh rolling around and stuff like that. Da, 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 da. And I wouldn't talk trash. And one day I'd had enough. Mm. Similar thing, right? I say, come out here. I step out on the mat, come out here. And the guy's like, what? Like, see the same visual, wrestling mat, wrestling shoes, one of three black guys on the whole wrestling team. Mm-hmm. This guy's like, <laughs> he looks around at the other guys, come out here. <laughs> What's this guy going to do? Mm-hmm. Right? I was like, come try me. Uh-huh. And he goes, and he goes in for a shot, and I choked this dude unconscious. What? Whoa, wait, what? I choked him unconscious, and then I walked off. And then what happened to him? Nobody ever said a thing to me ever again. So it's not the Is same he alive, thing. Octavius? No, he's when somebody <laughs> being choked unconscious don't mean they did. Okay. It's wrestling and jujitsu. People get choked out all the time and they wake right back up or you wake them up. But, but there's a consensus that they're going to have that happen, you know? Oh, he consented when he came out here talking all that trash. And I said, come out here and do something. <laughs> oh. That was the consent right there. Comic book jujitsu. Thank you. <laughs> for joining us. No, but I mean. Martial arts and so, but comic it's, books. But like, so now I'm just like, I'm just not a trash talker. Understood. I'm just a doer. Like, mm-hmm. okay, come, fine. Mm-hmm. Come show me. All right, mm-hmm. come do it. Yeah. I just want to beat you. I just want to like show you with my actions, mm-hmm. not with my talk. So when people talk trash, I'd be like. I'm just going to quietly defeat you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to shake your hand, say, good match, yeah. good game, and then walk off. That's way worse than going, what? You can't beat me. Yeah, sure. What's worse is waking your unconscious behind up off the ground going, what, 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 what happened? Sure. Like, I, it's uh, not dissimilar from what Tom Holland did in Spider-Man Far From Home. He choked he, Kevin Feige unconscious? Uh, oh, he, well, I think he's about to, maybe. But when he smacked uh, uh, Flash Thompson when they were on the bus. Yeah. And then Flash went out like a light. Uh-huh. Came to, didn't even realize there was a drone strike against him. Right. You know, things happen while you're sleeping. You never know. Things happen. What are we doing here? Is this episode 114? <laughs> We're talking about comic book jujitsu. Uh, getting in fights and That's uh, right. stuff like that. That's right. Uh, look, if you've made it this far, uh, we, we want to know. Has, has there ever been a time when <laughs> you, you got real mad? You choked somebody? No, that's not what I know. I don't want to know. Or if you, you, you send us a DM, do it anonymously. Uh, but it, look, if you ever, you ever play a video game, you get mad. Maybe somebody got mad at you. What happened? Did it resolve? Did you? Did it make you go into a life of pacifism? Wait, hold on. Let me ask you a question because yeah. I'm I'm replaying your re- reaction right now. Did I just tell you a story that blew your mind? Yeah. Why is that mind blowing to you? I've never choked somebody out until they were unconscious. Has somebody ever challenged you? Like a physical altercation? Talk trash to the point where they're challenging you? Yes, certainly. Okay. Did it go? Did it come to blows? Only one time in my life. So you've been in one fight in your life. One, yeah, one legitimate fight Got where it. the two of us knew what was about to happen. Oh, you think the guy didn't know it was going to happen? No, it's not that. No, I'm saying I've only been in one instance where I was in that case. Right. One. But I was I was so young, I hardly even remember what it was about. Mm-hmm. You know, we were just tussling because we were kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he was a neighborhood kid. You know, he was just a, he's a jerk. That was that. Stole my Pokemon cards. Ah. Oh. Dang. Don't mess with me. Don't play with me. That's right. That's right. I don't play with these. (laughs) I don't play. You take my Charizard. It was a holograph, man. Come on. Better catch these hands. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying, but I got hands. (laughs) This is the the moral of the story. Anyway, episode 114. Yes. um, Let's talk about 
comic books. Yes. Happy Brown Bag Day to you, Adam. Happy Brown Bag Day to you, Octavius. Internet. Happy Brown Bag Day to you as well. It is that special day in the middle of the week. Every week, where brand new comics hit the stands. Yeah. I went over to my favorite shop in Philadelphia, Brave New Worlds. I went there as well. And uh, I got some books. You've got some books. What are you holding in your hands? I got two books. I got number one, Pretty Violent. Oh, tell me about it. I haven't the slightest idea. <laughs> it says Pretty Violent with lots of swears. Yes. Um, I was told by some of the folks in Brave New Worlds, I was like, you know what I'm here for. Because, mm. I mean, that means I was here for Powers of X. They know what time it is. Of course. But I said, anything <clears> besides <throat> what I can Before you all commenters get in here, it's Powers of 10. He meant to say 10. All right. Let the record show. Listen. Oh! Okay. I said what I said. <laughs> I said it wrong, but I said what I, I said. Octavia, look, now that you've listened to that story <laughs> in the top of the show, y'all don't want to challenge him right now. Nah. No need to fear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Pretty violent. From what I heard, it's kind of like uh, an adult, like a, um, what do they say? An adult swim kind of like cartoon. It looked that way. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll it, try that out. Yeah, I flipped one. through it. It looked like an ultra violent version of The Tick. Or, ah. uh, you remember the tick? Yeah. Uh, or there was a comic s- some time ago called, I think I hate fairyland or yeah. I hate fairy tales. Yeah, yeah. It's a Scotty young book. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I got, um, powers of X number. Oh, three. God, you keep doing that. What do you, you now you're doing it on purpose. I wasn't, I'm just reading it. All right. Powers of it's Roman numeral powers of 10. Excuse me. Re- you you remember, bad. you remember Rocky? I, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, but this is on, this is on purpose. Like it is, yeah. it is. It's supposed to be, you know, that double entendre. Pardon me, of course. Internet. Hickman's okay. going to reach through the microphone. I hope and throw. I'd be like, join us. Would you like to have a conversation? <laughs> yeah. Explain this book to me, <laughs> and we'll trap him here. Yeah, I was going to say he's going to throw a like graph. ghost dad. He's going to throw a chart at you on the whiteboard right there. <laughs> and it's like y'all figure that out. I'll be back. I can't oh, even understand no. this language. What is this? No. What do you got? Uh, I picked up a few. I picked up Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, number two. Uh, this is Matt Fraction. and uh, Oh, I didn't know it was Matt Fraction. Oh, yeah. Is, is, uh, that makes me want to read it now. This is Matt Fraction, and he is back with that. All the, all the stuff that made me love his run on Hawkeye with uh, uh, uh-huh. it, I'm It's great. Jimmy Olsen is great. Powers of Ten, number three. We are halfway through Powers of Ten. My brain is half dead. Mm. I'm, I'm trying to process everything in these books. We're, we're going to have to get into it. Of course, I picked up Batman number 77. I'm way behind. Highly controversial, this issue. Mm. Highly controversial. I got to catch up. Um, I, uh, I popped a little Instagram story on our Instagram account of me finishing the book and the look on my face, the expression on my face in media res as I finished the book. There was a lot to process. I also picked up... Um, Tom Taylor's Black Mask. It is the year of the villain over at DC. I thought it was the year of the man thing. It is the year of the man thing every year. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But not at DC. They can't ever celebrate the year of the man thing because it's a whole, you know, it's a whole thing. It's a whole swamp thing. Uh, so it's the year of the villain. Right, I'll, I'll give you that. I don't really, thank you. I don't really understand what that means as far as crossovers. I'm not reading a lot of DC books that are doing the year yeah. of the villain thing um, other than City of Bane which I guess is a part of that. I don't know. But Black Mask is a character that I've always thought is interesting. And I like Tom Taylor's work lately. So I picked it up. I took a chance. 
Uh, I also walked in and I got a I got a, a very friendly greeting from one of the guys over at Brave New Worlds. Mm-hmm. He picked up a couple of Man Thing books for me from Ontario Street Comics here in Philadelphia. This is uh, uh, a series that ran in the early 2000s. Yeah. And uh, not very good. <laughs> but you understand, I'm a compulsive collector. I do. And I must have it. I do. I must have it. I know how it is. You walked in there. That's right. I sense man thing comics I don't have. That's right. Uh, Do you do you have anything for me? That's right. Uh, Is there anything to add to my collection? (laughs) Yeah, I had a a dirty old mug and I'm like rattling it. Like uh, it's going stuff for comic book. Uh, Word on the street is there's man thing comics here. (laughs) Am I correct about that? I have the what voice is this I'm doing? What, what, what would we call this? What is my Peter Tingle for uh, uh, Man Thing Comics? <laughs> you know what? This is good. you know what? <laughs> oh, you got All it. Right. You let you out. <laughs> Yo, Joe, cut that part. Cut that part out. This Don't play that. Said, what is my Peter? Thing? Don't say it a second time. <laughs> we got to retcon this. <laughs> Got to retcon this whole episode. Oh man! Damn, <laughs> Moira died, so we can restart. <laughs> We're not gonna remember you gonna say the same thing. No. Oh shit! <laughs> All right. Anyway, my bad. Let's talk about. <laughs> let's talk about our book of the week. Mm-hmm. Powers of Ten. Powers of Ten, number three. You have read it. I have. You I have, have read, read it. it. Yes. Uh-huh. So let's get into it a little bit. Internet. We are going to spoil. House of X, Powers of Ten, issues one through three of both books. Mm-hmm. Yep, because this is the, uh, yeah, yep, we're going to spoil all of that. So if you have not read that, and if you're interested in reading it without it being spoiled, listen. Mm-hmm. Now it's time to cut out. That's right. But if you're cool with hearing about it, hearing some recaps, hearing some thoughts, hearing some perspectives, yes, stay, listen. Spoiler wall's going up. If you pass the spoiler wall, after we blow it up, it's on you. That's right. All right? That's how it works. Spoilers, wall, three, two, one. It's your fault. It's your fault. If you're still here, it's because you want to be. Mm-hmm. Now, look, if you are here and you haven't read these books, uh, keep this in mind. This has been a book to discuss. I have had a lot of really enriching and fun conversations with other comic book fans and friends about this series. So if this is going to spoil things for you, I think you will still enjoy reading the books. And I highly encourage you to go pick them up or borrow them from a friend, whatever you do, because the X-Men are fun again. They're great. I'm having a great time. There's a lot of really weird, exciting things happening with this book. This book is one of the few comics in recent memory that has not petered off in sales as it as new issues have come up. Oh, really? It's gone up. They're selling out faster. Huh. Usually it doesn't work like that. You know, a new number one sells like hotcakes. And then it's like, eh, number two, eh. Number three, drop off. Number four, eh, who cares? This is the opposite of that. This is probably because people are like, what's what's going on now? Yeah. The X-Men are back? It is so much fun to discuss. So we're talking, I think, House of X 1 and 2, and then Powers of 10 1 through 3. A lot is happening. Mm. A lot is happening. And I think we should at least acknowledge the huge bomb drop in House of X 2. Moira X. So Moira, most of us know Moira McTaggart, is a mutant. Now we, we we found that out now. 
Yeah. And she wasn't before. She was just a very, very knowledgeable person. So far as she had always been just... Uh, so as far as we knew. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, it's been written that, that she is a mutant, in fact. Her ability is very difficult for anyone to sense. Apparently, Cerebro doesn't pick up on it. Right. Xavier and other telepaths don't pick up on it. And her ability is Russian Doll, the Netflix show. Yeah, her ability is that when she dies, she regenerates. Not she regenerates. She comes back yeah. in another life. But yeah. she retains all of the knowledge, wisdom, understanding, information that she has from every other life. Right. Every life. So she dies, she comes back. She dies, she comes back. Which is interesting. To She's think reborn that in her mother's power. womb at the exact same time that she was born last time. Same body, her whole same life repeats. Everything. Yeah. And then she, she mentions, you know, she discovered she can be a passive and just let life play out as it did last time, knowing what she knows, or she can instigate change and try different things. And that means the story that we are reading here is taking place over the course of several different lives of Moira, which is mind-bending to begin with. But I'll tell you the thing that I like the most about this little aspect, this little twist. Tell me. Hickman figured out a way to make continuity issues make sense. Because mm. when I see, we talked about this on episode 113, there were so many X-Men books on the stands. And when yeah. I see Wolverine in 30 different places in 20 different books, I'm scratching my head. But the reason that I understand it is because comics. Because comics. Because comics. Which is not always a great <laughs> response. <laughs> no. But to a certain no. extent, we just kind of like, comics, what do you, you want to do? You're, if you're a fan of the art form, you just, you know, you go with it. It's, it's an apologist's take on why that works out, because comics. And here Hickman is saying, you know, Moira dies and then goes and lives a new life. And different things can happen during that life depending on her decisions. Right. So you might see, I'm not saying this is official in Marvel saying this is how it breaks down, but you might see Wolverine in Japan and he's doing this with the uh, Silver Samurai. And you might see Wolverine palling around with Scott Summers and playing softball and it's mm -hmm. the exact same day and seems to be in the same frame of time even though an important looming event is taking place. And this little twist basically suggests, well, yeah, they're in different lives of Moira. What's interesting is, <clears throat> that's wild to me. These lives of Moira. Yeah. Am I pronouncing it right? I believe so. It's, in a way, reformatting the Marvel comic book universe period <laughs> yeah it's not saying oh this is just x-men over here what he's saying is based off of we recognize from what happened a couple issues back moira has had 10 lives mm -hmm. and when she was visited by what was it destiny Death? destiny yeah um i think it was maybe her second or third life ultimately destiny was like look here um you are in so many words trying to you've come to this conclusion that being a mutant is a thing that you need to come up with a conclude with a solution for she wanted to cure her to cure excuse me yeah. <clears throat> and destiny was like oh no player we're not doing that that's not how that's happened check this out you do that we're gonna have a problem that's right so you need to rethink this whole thing and we're gonna kill you kill you slow so that you can remember don't turn against your own people yeah so she spent many lives after that Oh, and one of the things that she, that Destiny said is you're going to have maybe 10 or 11 lives. Mm -hmm. 
That's right. It's not like this is an infinite forever type deal. Yeah. Destiny specifically says 11 lives if you make the right choice. Huh. What does that mean? When? What's the right choice? What's the wrong choice? When do, when do I become aware? So the, the threat that I love in that scene in House of X number two is when uh, Moira is, is tied up and Destiny and Mystique are saying like, you, you can't be doing this. You're not going to cure mutantdom. We're not going to let you do that. And Destiny says, I, I see you. I see how you function. But I, I riddled this. You won't be immortal. You can be reborn however many times, but you're not immortal. Because if I kill you before your mutant gene is expressed, uh-huh. if I kill you while you are still in childhood, <clears throat> right, you won't be reborn. Right. And I think that's uh, some writing right there. I think the line from Moira is like, you know, how, how do you even know that's going to be the case? And she said, try me. Yeah. Play and, play with it. <laughs> yeah. Go, go ahead and play oh, with me. She she had an amazing line. She's she says to the effect, You're a scientist. How would you test that? Mm. Ah, you're not going to try. <laughs> right. Come on. And if you ever mess up, I'm going to find you. I'm going to know where you are if yeah. you, you try to cure mutantdom again. So Moira has these 10 lives that we can see. Right. Well, one of them is completely missing. Life number life six. Life number six, which we don't know what the deal is with that. No idea. Life number totally six missing. is not here. Yeah. Not a typo reason. because in powers of 10, number three, again, once again, um, we get the whole chart of how... Moira dies in each life, except for in life number nine and life number 10. Powers of 10, number three, oh. shows us how she dies in life number nine. What do you mean nine, nine, except nine and 10? Nine and 10. In the first Powers of 10 book, or no, I'm sorry, in House of... God, Hickman? This is, this is impossible. Let's just say Hawks and Pox. How's nine, that? Uh, now, now you're just making it weird. Hawks, number no. two. Now, I don't know what you're talking about. It, Hawks. H-O-X? House of X. Yeah. Okay. See what House of X? Man. All right. In, in House of X number two, this is, these are the conversations that every Marvel oh, fan gosh. is having right now. All of our, my brain is oozing out of my earlobes. You got to get that looked at. I do. I can't have that. I don't have you good insurance for that. I have here. catastrophic. They don't even know what to give me. Mm. They, I, they gave me acetaminophen. They said, let it clear up. They gave me tussin. They said, wasn't tussin on them, boy. <laughs> Let's rub some dirt on it. That's right. In House of X number two, at the very end of the book, we see a, a graph that shows all of the lives of Moira. Number six is missing. Number nine and ten seem to continue and not end. Now, in the newest issue of Powers of Ten, number three, we see number nine end. Number ten continues. Hmm. So number nine is a bunch of things happening in this book. Yo, this book is crazy. <clears throat> so, it's wild. And we we haven't even gotten to the human mutant or no, I'm sorry. The human, man the man machine mutant supremacy is what it's called. The man machine supremacy and the mutants and chimera and Mr. Sinister. You got to talk English. Yeah. I'm talking Krakoa. So this book, the ninth life of Moira mm-hmm. X. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the big picture that happens here in light of the story? Cause I'm assuming at this point, either a you're caught up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or B, you just want to hear us talk. So in this book, we're pretty much seeing what the ninth life of Moira is. That's right. And what we see here is, at least what I got from it is, this is the apocalypse mm-hmm. one. This is the joint where she goes, let me roll with apocalypse. That's right. Let me let me kick it with him, and we're going to see what's up. That's right. Um, and bottom line, there's only so many mutants left, and there's some information or some um 
info that they had to get about Nimrod and when Nimrod does something. Yeah. They've gotten that information. Apocalypse has it. He gives it to Wolverine, which we understand why Wolverine is still alive. He's mm-hmm. basically like a roach. Like yeah. you know what I'm saying? Try like, and get rid of him. Yeah, like they in this in this issue, they literally like pretty much blew him apart, mm-hmm. like disintegrated him in his body just yeah he's still reformed yeah right back up but they got the information gave it to logan he was able to go back um to krakoa or wherever apocalypse whatever the heck um moira is in some sort of stasis yeah he puts the information in her he created some sort of way logan says apocalypse knew we might be on a clock so he created some kind of way to force feed the information you'd need into your mind Mm mm-hmm so he does that, puts this crystal in her, and apparently she got hurt somehow or something like that. Yeah. So they had to put her in some sort of like inc- stasis or incubation or whatever. I think she's in a protective zone. Uh, so nothing happens. Which is, uh, I think it's, you, you remember they in, in the first issue, House of X, they talk about the flowers of Krakoa. I think that she is in the zone that creates a, a Krakoa tumor. Uh the the one that is like the outside dark of the Krakoa's uh, uh, awareness, yeah, probably in a, a safe place so no one can come after her because they have worked so hard to get to this point, and now she needs some information to stop Nimrod, but she can't do it now. She's got to do it in another life, right? So gives her that information, and then this part was wild, but at the same time made me go, "Ooh!" Mm. Logan says, I- "I'm sorry," and. Um, oh no, I skipped the part. Uh, he says, um, if we succeed, he's talking to Moira. Um, if we succeeded, the old man said to send you on your way because there's nothing left to save. There's nothing left, nothing left to save here. Pops his claws. Moira says, it's okay. I have what I need now. And this, this is what you do. Snicked. And then he kills her. But it's interesting because, you know, it's like, this is what you do in the sense of I'm the best in the world at what I do. What I do ain't pretty. Like, it's not nice what I do. And that's the title of this issue. This is what you do. Yeah. Oh, man. I love that. So ended the ninth life of Moira X. So they get to try again. Life number 10. Right. So So what this also does, this confirms we are in fact in um, House of X witnessing life number 10. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, does that mean... Isn't you, it overwhelming? You know when you that, try to compile all the information and it's just like a traffic jam of information? So, if it's powers of 10... Yes. And we're seeing year one, year 10, year, year 100, and year 1,000. 1000. Yeah. What life of Moira is that? I've, Have we been reading in powers of 10... Year nine? That's a good question. I think um, I, I think it's possible that it's bouncing around different Moira lives. We don't know. I mean, who knows what's happening with life six? Something happened there, but it was omitted. So are we witnessing any of that? I'm not sure. Because we're seeing a lot of stuff go down in this comic over the span of different times. You know, the formation of the X-Men to begin with, and also the House of X formation and the Krakoa stuff. And then the Sentinel and the man-machine supremacy stuff and the ascendancy. And I haven't even touched on the phalanx and that whole thing. It's Bro, I'm reading this comic. I don't even know what you're talking about. I, I think each of these comics I've probably read twice. 
One, just out of function. So I can understand what happened here, but I'm enjoying it. I'm not even mad about it. There's so much to chew through every Friday morning here at Indie Hall, where we record this show. I get together with, I don't know, half a dozen other people who are reading this comic. And we basically have, it's half of a book club and half of a support group. We're all like, what happened? If Moira dies, does everybody die? If Moira dies, does X-Men, the X-Men continue living or do they just fade out too? Does the whole universe go down? Is this where the multiverse comes from? It's entirely possible. Is every she single the time the multiverse, she, every single time she's reborn, a new universe branches off. Who knows, man? Um. So the thing that I got from, this, but I'm loving it. Yeah. Are you? I am having a fantastic time. I'm enjoying it very much. The one thing that I walked away from this with, yeah, is ultimately that she had to get something in life number nine mm-hmm. that is pertinent to life number ten. Yeah. So, if we're to believe that powers of X, 1, 2, 1 and 2, powers of 10, 1 and 2, are are the multiples of life 10. Yeah. Then... It could be all the plan to make that Krakoa, you know, that special island. Because in House of X number one, the big reveal was... Wait a minute. All the X-Men have their shit together. So, wait. But the thing is, is like... I'm, I'm having like, I've literally got my hand on my head. <laughs> yeah. Octavius's Just face like, is like, it looks like brain freeze face. That's, this is what the book does. So if powers of 10. Yeah. No, if House of X, we're seeing, you know, you know, metalhead Professor X. Yes. Walking around. That's right. I'm led to question what life of Moira is that? I don't know. Is that one of the past lives or is that the current life? I don't know. And I think that that is going to be the thing that once this is all done, we're going to go back and read it mm-hmm. and be able to place it. Yes, I agree. Because I have all the books here. I'm not about to pull all this stuff out. We can't spend two hours going. <laughs> but anyway, way in internet. <laughs> yeah. What's your thought? Can you help me nail down the timeline here of in House of X? What life of Moira is that? Great question. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, to me, this is the most exciting comic I've read in a long time. In a long time. I read comics and I get into it. You know? it's, like, it's like eating popcorn. You, like, you eat it, you take a piece, you eat yeah. it, you put it away. But this, this one is reframing things that I love. And it's doing it in a way that I, I find respectful of the, the original stuff. You know, sometimes this happens in comics where... A plot will change a character, and a lot of people get up in arms because it's like, that would never happen. Cap would never be Hydra. And, you know, you and I get on the microphone and we say, just let them tell the story. Right. But I also understand why there's outrage. I understand why people are upset because it seems to violate the character traits. It seems to fly in the face of things that these characters have done prior to this arc. Hickman and his team... All of the folks making these comics, these two comics that entwine with one another, are rewriting a lot of rules, but they're doing it, I think, in a really loving, respectful, awesome way. In a way that 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 really respects everything that came before it and completely flips it on its head. I'm having a great time. Next week, we get House of X number three, and then we will officially be at the halfway point. 
because there are only six of each of these. Hickman, explain yourself. Hickman, explain yourself on the show. Thank you for your five stars and your positive comment. No, I'm sorry. Thank you for your 10 stars. It's an X and your positive comment. So really appreciate that. If I just flip through House of X number one, Mm -hmm. what Life of Moira do you believe that is? I believe that's... I think it's 10. 10. I'm going to say it's 10. I think think we're in Life number 10. You know, I I found a cipher so you can decode Krakoa. Krakoan? Yeah, and you can read the symbols. And at the end, they are revealing the names of the next issues, the titles of the next issues. Uh-huh. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I got a decoder ring, the whole nine. Mm. I had a friend print out the, the ring. lives of Moira, the whole chart, printed it out in one long chart that we can spread out so we can like trace it back. It's like the wire in here. I'm putting strings, connecting Cardinal to Mr. Sinister, connecting uh, 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 the, the black brains to nimrod it's great x-men are great again i'm so can all right anyway let's let's move forward (laughs) yeah let's move forward yeah but the bottom line this is not a frustrated confusion this is an excited confusion yeah it's fun fun confusion it's very fun you know i'm having a good time it's just like a it's like a three month three month long movie Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so instead of like having the conclusion and going oh that's what it is this is the comic book version of it, which is you got you got to let it unfold over a period of what what this normally would have taken a year. Yeah, but you know the good news is it's only going to take three months. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, and I think it ends in October. Yeah, and that's October. when the uh, New York Comic Con is. That's right, and um, that's when new X books come. That's right. So we shall see. This will be the jump off point for a lot of new X books. One of them. The core X-Men book is being written by Hickman mm-hmm. and then a number of others. Right. And then we're so, back to status quo. I know we won't. Well, <laughs> we're going to be back to something. Yeah. But anyway, we're done with that. Mind yep. blown. So yep. let's talk about some other stuff. What's going on in the geek world? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Yes. We, let's, let's just, let's hold off on Spidey. Okay. Or do you want to just dive in? Let's talk about it. Let's get Should right we? To it. I mean, let's get right to it. I don't really know what to say about it. It was a tumultuous day yesterday, wasn't it? Not around minor business. Yeah, that is live footage of Sony and Marvel at the negotiation, <laughs> trying to what? figure it out. Oh, oh, so you want you want fifty percent? How about you take fifty percent of that? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's, That's what right. you want to do. That's you want right. to play around? Yeah. And it's just like, stop, mom and dad, stop fighting. <laughs> yeah. Stop fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a bunch of Street Fighter characters fighting against Tekken characters. <sighs> Y'all know Sony is Tekken, okay? And Marvel is <laughs> Street Fighter. Let's not get it twisted. All right. Kim Faye's throwing Harukens over here. Spinning bird kick. Spinning uh, bird kick. That's right. That's a Chun-Li joint. Is it a bird kick? Spinning bird kick. Yeah. Spinning bird kick. And she's doing the helicopter upside down. I did not know that was spinning bird kick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. We're going to have that on the next show. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what's going on with this? What is, what's, what, where are we now? Seems like we've well, gone let's, through let's, a lot. Let's, let's, let's catch up mm-hmm. here. We got word from Deadline. And Deadline is a pretty reputable source. I think so. You got Hollywood Reporter. You got Variety. Those are like, if they say it, it's like, oh, that's pretty legit. Deadline is one of those as well. It's not necessarily like, this is the number one source, but 
when it comes to movie news and stuff like this, this is pretty legit. Yeah. Um, so what they're saying is there's a standoff. Yeah. Pretty much a split, pretty much a breakup, something to that effect between Disney, studio, Mar- Marvel Studios, and Sony. Yeah. What the arrangement was in the past is that Marvel did not own Spider-Man, the movie rights. Mm-hmm. They had the, you know, the merchandise rights. They had all the rest of that stuff, but they did not own the movie rights. Sony owns it. Marvel is allowed to play. Right. So what the deal is, is like, look. My toys, you can play with them sometimes. Right. You can use, Sony talking to Marvel, you can use Spider-Man for your movies, it, and we won't get any of the money mm-hmm. from your Avengers movies, in exchange we, you will help us produce these Spider-Man movies. That's right. And you won't get any of the money from that. Other than as a producer, like you'll get like outside of 5%. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Disney, Kevin Feige helps Sony make two movies, Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah. $2 billion pretty much. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now come to the table and say, look, it's time to renegotiate. Word on the street is, Marvel says, I'll take half. 50-50. And then Sony stands up, walks over to the phone mounted on the wall, calls Marvel's parents and says, hey, Mrs. Marvel. You got to come get Kevin Feige. You got to pick him up. Mrs. Feige, (laughs) you got to come pick up Kevin. What? What you mean? I just. He can't play no more. Yeah. And that's where we're at. Well, there's what we got in the middle is poor Tom Holland. Got snapped again. There's a little more information in this, but what, what do you? What did you gather? Because I found out more information since. Because mm-hmm. when I first heard that, I was like, "What's the problem?" Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you do good, you make two bill, two billy. Mm-hmm. You come back around. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. "What? Yeah. Let me get a piece of that." Right. Uh, well, I mean, there's more info. But what did you? What did you walk away with? All I can tell you is when I found out about this, at first I thought this is not true. I think a negotiation is happening and I think Deadline jumped the gun and they are probably reporting on something, you know, extrapolating the outcome that they did not actually know. They're just sort of suggesting this is what we think is happening. So I was, uh, my initial thought is this is not true. This can't be true. This, this split between Marvel and, and Sony doesn't make any sense to me because both of them are cleaning up on Spider-Man together. And as it took time to set and we got update after update. We got a, a, a just kind of a snippet of a, a comment and then an official comment and then a tweet and it's official. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess this is just posturing, right? Like Marvel's over here buying everything, literally everything. They got it all. Disney has everything, including Marvel, and they wanted Spidey. And I think Sony recognized the uh, the small amount of uh, territory that they occupy and, and thought, no, we will not cede to you. You're not going to give it, all of this to you. We're not going to share it 50-50. And I've gone through a couple of different things. I'm frustrated about it. I don't really know what it means. Like, l- let me pose this question to you, Ak. Does this mean that our version of Peter Parker is no longer in the MCU? <clears throat> well... I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. I don't. We know that in Marvel, <laughs> in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, 
We've got two years of no Spider-Man. That's right. Meanwhile, Sony is over here cooking Morbius, the living vampire. They're also working on the next Venom, uh, Venom movie. Directed by Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis. <laughs> directed by Caesar himself. And they're also working on, they've, they've already announced uh, Spider-Verse 2. Yeah. As well as, you know, Spider-Verse um, shows, tons of things, stuff. All kinds of yeah. stuff. And so, you know, part of me thinks about that and thinks, well, hold up, wait a second. Spider-Verse was not a Marvel Studios movie. Spider-Verse is my favorite Spider-Man movie ever. Ever. So is this all bad? I don't know. I don't even know what this means. But you, you say you have extra information. What do you, what do you know? So what I, what I found out initially, what I, what I thought I understood initially was that this is a renegotiation. Mm-hmm. They're negotiating in public. Yeah. Eh, they'll figure it out. Sure. What I'm hearing now is that that's not quite what happened. What I'm hearing is Marvel says, we want 50-50. And what do you think that means, Adam? They want 50% of everything, all proceeds, all profits. From? From Sony, from all of the uh, uh, upcoming Spider-Man movies. That's what I think. It's about Spider-Man, right? Spider-Man. This is what it, from what I understand, this is what it actually means. We want 50% of everything Spider-Man related. Including Venom. Including, including Venom, including Craven, oh, including Moby, Moby, including Spider-Verse, including, yeah. and we want a creative hand on it as well. Mm-hmm. Because, so, yeah, yeah. so that was a situation, they were just like, what? Sure. This is our cash cow. This is our biggest IP. Why would we give it up? Why would we give you 50% of everything Spider-Man? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So I think, and what I also understand is that Sony actually came back with said, instead of 50% of Spider-Man, how about we give you 70, 30? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because you remember, we're going from 5% yeah. to asking 50%, and then them saying, how about 30%? But that's that's the thing that I'm going, ooh, well, pfft, who's going to say yes to that? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's almost like... Just thinking about it being reasonable, like having a reasonable conversation, it's like this is a little unreasonable, guys. Sure. You want 50% of Spider-Verse 2? Yeah. Like you want to have creative control over Spider-Verse number two? Mm-hmm. You want creative control of Venom? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. now there's some stuff in the works, but like why would we do that? And who knows if this is a good decision or not? I mean, my my instinct says Marvel Studios being a part of things, being having co-ownership of Spider-Man and all the Spider-related characters, it, my instinct says for quality, that's a good thing because Marvel Studios makes great stuff. But I also understand the business sense behind it. That, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. We did get an official statement from Sony. I will read that. Mm-hmm. This is the statement. Much of today's news about Spider-Man has mischaracterized recent discussions about Kevin Feige's involvement in the franchise. We, are di- we, Sony, are disappointed, but respect Disney's decision not to have him continue as a lead producer of our next live-action Spider-Man film. So it's a little cagey, right? Because mm-hmm. they're saying, uh, look, we want to have him as a producer, but Marvel decided not to have him as a producer. It's not saying the extent of the effect here. 
We hope this might change in the future, but understand that the many new responsibilities that Disney has given him, including all their newly added Marvel properties, do not allow time for him to work on IP they mm -hmm. do not own. Now, that just seems cold. That is like a calculated, strategic diss. They're like, ah, we understand. Y'all got too busy. It wasn't a money thing. We didn't, mm. we didn't actually say no. We didn't slap y'all down. Sorry, he just got a little too busy. And by the way, you don't own this. Hmm. And they ended with, Kevin is terrific, and we are grateful for his help and guidance and appreciate the path he has helped put us on, which we will continue, in parentheses, by our own damn selves. Hmm. It didn't say by our own damn selves. No, I added that part. <laughs> Editorialized. So that's where we're at. What, what does it mean? Who knows? There's going to be a new Spider-Man movie eventually. We're getting a new Venom eventually. Spider-Verse eventually. Yeah, I mean, it seems like Man. maybe maybe uh, it won't affect the consumer. Maybe we won't even know. I think the the deciding factor of everything is when the next Spider-Man movie comes out, is Peter Parker ever going to talk about other characters in the MCU? Is he allowed because to it's, anymore? Because it's not... He, that's what I'm saying. Because these Spider-Man movies don't just work because Spider-Man. No. They work because Tony Stark. He's part of it. They, you know what I'm saying? They work because the snapping. The they whole damn plot of Far From Home was, you know, about the relationship with Tony Stark. Right. Yeah. They work... I mean, Nick Fury's in the freaking movie. That's right. Like The Scrolls. Yeah, the Scrolls are in the movie. So they're lending you a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, I don't really know what to believe here 100%. I know this is all like second and third and fourth hand and people, yeah. everybody's pointing at the other person and saying, it wasn't me, it was them. But for me, the real big picture here is I hope these guys work it out. Me too. I hope these guys figure it out because Sony has had their shot with Spider-Man a couple different times. <laughs> and, you know... <laughs> There's a lot of misses. There's some hits, but there's a lot of misses. Yeah. Spider-Verse is the best. I mean, like, if we had to go through all that to get Spider-Verse, yeah. great. But I think, honestly, they have a good thing going here. Yeah. And I really don't know. <laughs> is, I, I mean, is it, a bully, is it a bully move? Is it kind of like get down or lay down? Yeah, I don't know. Because you know, at the end of the day, Sony would... <laughs> This is not very like nice, mm -hmm. but there's a certain swagger about it that's like, "Hey yo, what you gonna do?" Mm -hmm. Oh, like, that that like, official like, statement. Like for real. That official statement is all swagger. And props to whoever wrote it. Very professional. Very well done. Very cold and biting. Uh huh. But there's a there's a certain level to where, you know, Marvel and Feige and Marvel Studios and Disney are just like, <laughs> the Tom Holland Spider Man. Is our Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. Without Kevin Feige, without Marvel Studios, if we turn our back on you, mm -hmm. what you got? You got no. And and story-wise, <laughs> what's funny about it is they kind of wrote themselves into a corner. Yeah, sure. It's like, well, what are you going to do now, no Nick Fury? What are you going to do now, no Tony Stark? Right. What are you going to do now? You can't even say Tony Stark's name. Yeah. You can't even say Iron Man's name. Like, what are you, what are you going to do without... The Marvel, stu like, he, he was introduced in an Avengers movie. That's right. In you know Civil what I'm saying? Civil War. Yeah. So, like. No, I'm, it, it was a Captain America movie. Excuse me. Yeah. Captain America movie. Mm -hmm. I just don't know what Sony's going to do other than pocket it and then just go Spider-Verse full steam ahead. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Because if they if they decide to just do a Spider-Man movie and just throw them in the Venom movie, I think there are going to be a lot of people going to be like, what? The litmus test, right? Well, and now I guess they can do that, right? They can go play if, all day. If they don't figure it out right. between the two of them. The, the litmus test for me is if, if the next movie advertises that Electro is back and it's Jamie Foxx again. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm out. I'm done. I think Marvel does Paul have- Paul Giamatti is Rhino again. I'm done. I think Marvel does have another Spider-Man. Like Marvel and Sony. Like the deal's not... I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. know. Stop fighting. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what I do know. This this negotiation, this this botched negotiation is turning Kevin Feige into J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> and I'm sure he is pounding his desk and yelling, Spider-Man is a menace <laughs> right this moment. Ugh. Right this moment. My gosh. But instead of photos of Spider-Man, he wants movies of Spider-Man. <laughs> That's where we are. Anyway. That's where we are. Let's move forward. Yesterday was a, a big tumultuous day because as that was unfolding, we also got another news about another piece a, of news. We got another news. Another, another news comes down the line. Coming down the line, another news. Extra, extra. Read all about it on your iPhone. Uh, this is about a, a beloved franchise that we no, all... Well, no, hold on. I think it's a beloved franchise. Uh, I mean, Octavius A. Newman, it's your favorite movie. I mean... It's, your, it's one of your favorite... Is it not? It, it, <laughs> it is one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. It is one of a, one of mm-hmm. my favorite movies. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The franchise, however... Uh-huh. Of course, my friends, we are discussing The Matrix. The Matrix is back, apparently. It's official. The Matrix 4 is happening. Lana is making the movie. I don't think it's both Wachowskis. Nope, just one. I think it's just Lana Wachowski is making uh, the movie. And uh, uh, we got Keanu. He's on board. We got Carrie Ann Moss. She's on board. What's going on? What, how, what is happening logically in the story, in the continuity? What is happening with this story? I don't know. Well, we got... How do we do one of these after we did Matrix Revolutions? I mean, you man, spoilers. Well, I'm, I'm not saying what happened. You, well, I'm about to say it. Spoilers. <laughs> your man died. Or did he? Mm-hmm. If you understand the whole freaking whatever this crap is. Got you. So here's what's going on from Variety. Lana Wachowski is set to write and direct a fourth film set in the world of, quote, The Matrix, with Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss reprising their roles as Neo and Trinity, respectively. Plot details are currently unknown, as is how the role of Morpheus <laughs> will be handled. I love that they mentioned Morpheus. <laughs> Originally played by Lawrence Fishburne, some sources say the role may be recast for a younger take. A younger Morpheus. Listen, I am documented on this podcast Uh about how I feel about The Matrix. Yes. One. Yeah. And The Matrix trilogy. Yeah. The Matrix is one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. They could have stopped it. <laughs> yeah. Right there. That could have been it. And never done another thing. And I'd have been like, every time I have an opportunity, rings to them. Can I make a counter? Go ahead. The Animatrix. The Animatrix was awesome. Yes. It was I agree awesome. With that. 
So that was world in, in, building stuff. Yeah, world, world building. building and meanwhile stuff and not core storytelling, just a cool exploration yeah. of the matrix. Yeah. By the way, let's flesh this out a little bit. Yeah. Let's show you what else is going on around here. Uh-huh. Let's show you some weirdo animation of crushed heads and yeah. all kinds of wild stuff. The creator of uh, uh, Cowboy Bebop did s- s- some of the Animatrix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a wild anthology. Yes. I liked it a lot. Yes. Um, That's an aside. Yeah. It, it is to say that it wasn't all bad, but Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions, I would say progressively worse because reloaded has some good stuff in it yep i remember being real hype watching it yes because i was excited for what was going to come next it was basically like a two two hour trailer yeah it's like coming soon yeah pretty pretty soon it'll come (laughs) the next movie in the well it's gonna we're gonna pretty we'll talk about it when we get there yeah and we watched this third Matrix movie, and you're like, I, I am like, what the hell <laughs> is going on in this movie? <laughs> what, what is this? I don't understand anything. Visa V, ergo, therefore, such as, you know what I mean? Giant trash agent Smith. What is made of garbage? Uh, Who knows, I, man? I'm just so confused by that movie. And I, I don't even I remember being like, what happened at the end of that movie? Like, like, can someone objectively tell me what happened at the end of that movie? <laughs> and for years, like, how long how long has this Matrix 3 been out? It's been a long time. A long time. For years, I've been like, no, no, no. Don't tell me what you think happened. Don't tell me your interpretation of what happened. I want to know what do we objectively know? Based off of storytelling, mm-hmm. what happened? That's a movie that we should watch together. That's a movie we should do for like a CBJ, you know, sit rewind. down, rewind. That's a movie we should watch together because it's been so long. I watched it only one time, officially one time. You've only seen it one time? Once. And my brain is still spinning. And I think now with the fourth one, Lana is going to come out and say, start the movie by saying, hey, y'all. Uh, Matrix Revolutions was in Moira Life 6. Ooh. And that's why we deleted it from the oh. chart. Okay. Okay. Now you understand why we left that one out. We have a lot of shame. Really sorry about that. Anyway, mm. here's the next one. Wow. This is where we're at. I, so. Matrix 4. I got, I got a really bad. Which, by the way, they can call it Matrix Rebooted. That's an R word. I got a really bad taste in my mouth from the Matrix 3. Uh-huh. So when this came out, I had mixed feelings. <laughs> I was like, ooh, the Matrix. And you know what that is. That's like Matrix 1. That's the reaction from like, oh, I love this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I thought like moments later, and I was like, oh, my gosh. This could either be really, really bad mm-hmm. or really, really good. Yeah. Can go either way. But I have no clue what they're going to do this much later. Yeah. They look Keanu. Keanu. <laughs> you know, like Neo and Trinity don't even look the same anymore. No. From what we understand, from what I understand of the Matrix, the thing reboots. Yeah. And that was the reboot. That was basically hitting the reboot button. Mm-hmm. So now what? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's just so much story, meta, right? And like, <sighs> man, I don't know. This is like the, the, the way that it, it struck me is like somebody announcing they're making a new TMNT movie, and I'm excited. But it's only based on the third movie where they all go to Japan. And I'm like, yeah, oh, I forgot. 
<laughs> I forgot. Mm-hmm. That movie didn't happen. I forgot about that. Okay. Um, but of course, you know, my theory, low key, the only reason this exists is so you can bankroll Jupiter Ascending too. Put a stamp on it, put my name by it. Let me sign right that's there. That's the other thing. That's it's the other thing fish. that concerns me about the Wachowskis. Is their track? Their track run? Their quality? Yo, man. Think of all of the movies they've made. Now Jupiter, think of the ones that you like. The Matrix. That's the one. That's the one. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The Matrix and, you know, the Matrix Matrix uh, Reloaded is kind of like, ooh. But after that, and here's the, th- here's the big thing. I wrote this down. Um... And this is just something that helped me understand something. Because I have, I, had, I have this dislike for certain kind of storytelling. And I learned, I think I learned what it is. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Deus Ex Machina. Deus, Deus Ex Machina. Machina. That's right. Um, when the divine just swoops down and helps resolve everything. Fantasy stories. This is a quote that I heard from a, a podcast called, um, I think it's called The Big Picture. It's a ringer podcast. Okay. Fantasy stories have to have rules that make sense. They have to because if you can't fall, you can't allow yourself to fall fully into the world if you don't understand how the world works. Mm-hmm. Or uh, if every time something new happens, you're either pulling yourself out of it to ask yourself a question about how or grappling with deus ex machina um, nature of some sort of convention. Uh, basically, just kind of like if you're constantly asking yourself, wait, how does this work? Mm-hmm. Wait, what's going on? Sure. Wait. I, what are the rules here? That's that's something I specifically don't like about about stories and yeah. about certain movies. Sure. If I don't understand how a fantasy story's rules work, I'm out. Understood. I'm I'm way out. And I think that's the big issue about the Matrix for me. I'm just like, I understood the first movie. I understood how it worked. Yeah. You made it very clear to me. I got it. The second movie was just kind of like, what? Mm-hmm. Even the Animatrix was just fleshing out. Hey, here's how it works. Mm-hmm. Just more fleshing out how it works. But that third movie, it, another thing about storytelling, I learned you always need to have somebody who's at the same place that the audience is. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, the, the audience ought to have a proxy, someone that they see themselves in, and and so that person is experiencing everything and also has to process it. Right, you know, chew it up and then give it to us. Right, right. We do it together. The third no, the Matrix didn't, didn't at least to me, definitely did didn't not. have that character. Definitely did So not. again, the whole movie, I'm just going, what? So maybe other people do understand it. Oh, so, sure. that's, that's how I, but, so that's how I feel about Matrix 4. I'm just like, man, if you're going to come through and make this fantastical world mm-hmm. that you've taken a decade of my life already with yeah. and left me with questions, if you're going to come back and answer those questions and provide more, st- give me clarity and more story, <laughs> more clarity and more story mm-hmm. within the context of that clarity, I'm cool. Right, because I love the Matrix, but if you're just gonna come in and visa v ergo me to death, man, I love this phrase. Uh, this movie was all visa v and ergos. Like, yeah. then I don't, yeah, and I don't have a lot of confidence based off of what you've done. Understood. And even that, that was the two of you. Now it's just one of you. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. I don't know. I always appreciate, and and I I think the Wachowskis are are capable of doing this. I think Lana Wachowski is capable of doing this. I appreciate when a movie acknowledges when things go wrong, when they go awry. Sometimes they do that and it makes sense, and sometimes they do it and it doesn't make sense. When it makes sense, it is someone winking in the direction of the audience and acknowledging, 
Yeah, that that last thing didn't make any sense. We don't we don't talk about that. Forget about it. Wipe it right. from your brain. Right. I think of uh, a great example. The same people who made Spider Verse made Twenty One Jump Street the remake and uh-huh. Twenty Two Jump Street the remake. Uh-huh. And Twenty Two Jump Street the remake. It's all about sequels. The movie is one meta movie about sequels. Yeah. And so when they do the exact same plot as the first one, they acknowledge that. And they make light of it. So we're, we're good. You are aware. The audience is aware. We're all in on it together. You're aware that I'm aware that you're aware. Right. A bad example of that. Uh, X-Men Apocalypse. When the, uh, I think Jubilee and uh, Jean Grey are walking out of the movie theater. And they're talking about how the third movie is never good. And it's supposed to be, ha ha, he he, ho ho. This is the third X-Men movie in this series. But see, look, this one's not good. So that, that that joke isn't as funny as you think it is. Now, what I wonder, given the nature of this story, and it's about the reboot and the, the whole thing happens again, uh-huh. you know, you can have a situation in which the creator of this brand new world sits down Neo and explains, here's what happened before we got here, before you rebooted. And Neo can look at this guy like, that shit doesn't make any sense. And Neo represents us. And Neo represents us. And so I have- Us a, all sitting there with our eyebrows and our arms folded going, impress me. Yeah, exactly. And Neo's like, what? And it's possible. That it's totally possible sense. that that can happen. But I do have it in my mind. Jupiter Ascending was batshit crazy. Yeah. I loved it, but I loved it because yeah. of how- You like it because of other reasons. I, I like it for other reasons. I love it because it is crazy and shameless and it just goes nuts. And I They like, had Channing Tatum on Sky Skates. That's right. The Hover Skates. <laughs> he, he was, I maintain- Did I finish that movie? He, I don't know. I don't think, did did I go see it with you? Or no, you said it was good and I went to go see it and I don't even know <laughs> if I stayed awake or something like that. And I was like, this is not good. Have I been trolled? <laughs> There's a voice that goes, yes, you have. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. The man sitting next to you. Yeah, you've been tricked. Adamson, you here? Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I was single-handedly bankrolling that film. Oh, man. I was like, you got to see it. It's amazing. Janet Tatum's got hover skates. He's 50% human. He's 50% dog. And he's 50% angel. That's 150%. <laughs> Wait, is that really? Yes. He's 50, 50, and 50? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He oh was half God. human, half dog, and the entire plot revolved around him getting his angel wings back. Huh? Say what now? <sighs> yeah. Sean Bean was in it as part B-Man. You know what his name was? Stinger. You know how a, a, a movie is bad? Because Sean Bean stays alive in it. If he lives through the whole film, something's wrong. Wow. Yeah. I love Jupiter Ascending. I do. I genuinely do with my whole heart. Mm. I also recognize it is a, 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 a trash heap of confusing ideas. And this don't is who gel. you want Matrix for. And, and this is by the same people who gave us the Matrix. <laughs> yes. And that's what's so wild about this because it's like yeah. on any given Friday, yeah. you could walk into the movie theater, you could get the Matrix, or you could get Jupiter Ascending mm-hmm. from the same people. Same folks. Yeah. Go for it. Live your truth, Lana. Let's I'm going to see it. Though. Let's go back. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to see it. <laughs> my official stance is I am definitely going to complain about it before I see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just celebrated the 20, 20 year anniversary of The Matrix. And uh, this is what they give us. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, what else we got to talk about? Break this. Uh, 
Write this Marvel Comics thing down. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about a, a piece of news that I, I saw earlier this week. I think I first saw this in Newsweek. Uh, are you familiar with Art Spiegelman? Yes. Art Spiegelman uh, wrote and illustrated the absolutely legendary, extremely vital comic, Mouse. Mouse is really important. It's about Art's relationship with his actual father and his father's experience during the Holocaust. Right. It is riveting. It is breathtaking. It is tragic and painful. And it is an important piece of, of comics history. Art Spiegelman was invited by Marvel to write the introduction for a new Marvel collection, which is Marvel, the Golden Age, 1939 through 1949. So I guess it would be some history and some collections of comics from that time period mm -hmm. as, as Marvel was really starting out. You know, we're talking Captain America punching Hitler. Yeah. Back then. Beginning. So who better to talk about comics during that time, what they did for people during that time than Art Spiegelman. Right. Right. So Art Spiegelman wrote in introduction and the introduction is about what comics meant to people during that time, during the war, and what they what they did as as far as morale goes. And he mentions, you know, look, today it's not all that different. Unfortunately, we still got Nazis around. All right. Mm -hmm. And he he says in this, uh, in today's all too real world, Captain America's most nefarious villain, the Red Skull, is alive on screen <laughs> and an orange skull haunts America. Now, who might he be speaking about? Let him have it. 45. Oh, yeah. Didn't we come up with a new name for 45 recently? I'm orange to, Skull. Yeah. Oh, it's got to be. It is Orange Skull. Yeah. yeah. So he's talking about Orange Skull. And he's not wrong, right? We have this like pig-headed totalitarian idiot who's uh, uh, chanting about hate speech and bigotry. And you know, even this week, especially this week, he's talking about anti-Semitism and all this Man, it's just trash. So Art Spiegelman is writing this introduction for this collection, mm -hmm. and he turns it in, and Marvel circles. They get a, the big red pen that circled the part that says Orange Skull, and they say, no, 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 yeah, see me. Th take that part out. Because Marvel says, quote, they would like to be apolitical. No politics. Come on, man. You can't punch Hitler in the face and talk about being apolitical. Exactly. Why would you invite Art Spiegelman? To write an introduction that is apolitical about a an era of comic books that served as as pride for Americans, a reason to fight, an opportunity to have hope. And what Art Spiegelman chooses to do is says, oh, yeah, yeah, let me fix that for you. Crumples up the paper. I'm not writing the intro anymore. Throws it out. He's yeah. done. So instead of taking How that part them, out, he is no longer associated with this project and Newsweek is reporting it. And who's got egg on their face now? Oh, I'm, I'm trying to understand. Why would Marvel do this? Why would they invite Art Spiegelman to do this? Uh, Permuter? Well, yeah, that, that definitely makes sense to me why they would ask him not to say this stuff. Because Ike Perlmuter, the, uh, 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 what is he? He's the chief. He's the head honcho at Marvel. Um, Maybe. I mean, that's all I could think Ike of. Ike Perlmuter is a, a donor to Trump and uh, a friend and a member of Mar-a-Lago and all that crap. Yeah. Shoulder shrug? Maybe? I don't know. But I mean, but like, that's why not, even that's invite not what our Spiegelman? Comics do. Why? That's not even what comics do. That's not even what we do in comic books. That's not even what Captain America is about. No. That's not even what we're talking about in the, like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
We just had the whole Hail Hydra thing. I know. So you can't truth, justice, good guys, the overcoming bad guys, da 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 da, and then we're gonna go. No, 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 no. This is this this is that that <laughs> moment when I'm reminded the thing that I love, the art form that I love, it is having an identity crisis. Because we have comics that are really significant, and they're over here saying, look, uh, uh, these characters represent you, Octavius. They represent you, right. reader who never sees characters like themselves. Right. We are showing you yourself. You are one of us. You are powerful. You are worthy of being here. And then they're also saying, in the, in the blink of an eye, oh, we're not here to make statements. We're not here to say anything political. And just this doesn't even make sense. No. You can't have it both ways. You're no, you can't. You're talking sides of your neck. We know this is what Marvel does. And this, it, I'm so frustrated by it because I wasn't frustrated about Cap being Hydra. It was part of the story and I'm alone right. for the ride. Right. But I remember per our conversations, I was frustrated by Marvel's stance where yeah. they're trying to say, uh, can we have it both ways? No, you can never, you can never please everybody. At the all the time, yeah, you just can't do it. Take a stance, and it's okay to take a stance. But I think that's the thing: people want to have all the benefit and credit of taking the stance, but they don't want to do the work of taking a stance. <sighs> but at the same time, you have someone who owns this company, and you have many people with many ideals and many perspectives that work at the company in different roles. Ike Perlmuter uh, recently donated three donated $360,000, which is the maximum allowed donation to the Trump Victory Joint Fundraising Committee for 2020. So like you you have the guy in charge actively trying to get the orange skull back in office. Keep him there. And then you invite Art to speak on the power of but, comics. I mean, I don't know like but th that's the, that's what I'm saying like we don't know who's Making what call? You saying wires crossing? Maybe, too much I don't bureaucracy. know. I'm just saying I don't know. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I read comics, you read comics. We come from a certain perspective. We have a certain way of looking at things. Of course. We see that and we go, Orange Skull. Skull. Cool. New AKA for 45. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Bullseye. Way to go, pal. Mm -hmm. That's actually kind of clever as a writer. That's right. Really good. And then somebody is like, uh, 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 no, no, no. We can't do that. And we don't know why. Yeah. We don't know who. Is it the same person who asked them? Did they right. come from on high? Who knows? Was that one person's perspective and opinion? Sure. All we know is that the logo made a decision. Yeah. Dear, and all we can do is respond to the logo. Dear Ta-Nehisi Coates, we would love for you to write the new Black Panther book. Please, love it. Um, P.S. Please, no race stuff. No, Please don't say anything about black people. Right. Huh? <laughs> exactly. You, this just doesn't that doesn't work it, it doesn't, doesn't make, make any sense. sense yeah this popped up in my news feed and I was like what is even happening good for Art Spiegelman for for not backing down yeah it's good that he was just like oh yeah that's how we gonna do it alright we'll check this out yeah what right. do I have to lose yeah and people know my name <laughs> you know I'm not doing this for fame yeah I'm solid yeah um, next topic once upon a time in Hollywood Talk to me. Bruce Lee situation. Yeah, I'm I'm only vaguely familiar with this. What do you know about this? I'm, I need to admit to you right now, I need to admit to everyone listening, I haven't seen the film. No. I want to see it over the weekend, but my... my I asked them to see it. Anyway. That's right. My, and I said I would see it on Monday, and they had one show... To, I dodged that. Let the record show. Okay. I did. I Neo dodged it. Oh. The... Uh, Matrix uh, 4. They had one showing at my theater. Wait, well, what at, are they going to do in Matrix 4 that if they don't even have 
They go, what, like how are they going to have Smith? A, a visual situation? Are they going to have Agent Smith? Elrond? Where's he at? V for anyway, Vendetta? Carry on. Red Skulls and that. Shoot. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Crossover. Uh, so I haven't seen Once Upon a Time. It's the mate. It's actually, it's, it's John Wick 4. Oh, oh, what if, what if the high table is the creator of the matrix? Oh, you know, and these are all simulations and that's how he's getting through it all. Visa V ergo. Ah, now you're getting it. Uh, now you're getting it. That doesn't make any sense <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Uh, yeah. So I haven't seen the movie, but I have heard some, uh, uh, discussion about, um, the depiction of Bruce Lee. And some folks, in particular fans of Bruce Lee, people who understand Bruce Lee, his his person, his history, his legacy, are not happy with the the way that the movie depicts the character. Yeah. Is it, am I getting it? In so many words. Because I, I don't have this specificity. In so many words. So, spoilers for Once Upon a Time on Hollywood Internet. We're going to talk about it a little bit. Because in order to have this conversation, we have to have a talk about a specific part in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm paying penance to the Blackout Congregation. I haven't seen the movie. But I'm still a part of this conversation. Forgive me, for I have sinned. <laughs> so um, there's a character in this movie. I think his name is Cliff Booth. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me look this up real quick. Once upon a time in Hollywood. All right, we got to go. Yep, Cliff Booth. And Cliff Booth is a stuntman. All right. He, is this Leonardo or is this, this is, Brad Pitt? This is Brad Pitt's character in the movie. He's a stuntman. He's actually um, Rick Dalton, who is Leonardo DiCaprio's stuntman. Mm-hmm. So Cliff Booth spent some time in the military. You know what I mean? He's supposed to be like a tough guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's interesting. Like Rick Dalton, Leonardo DiCaprio is the real actor who can't do any other, you know. He does the acting, not the stunts. Yeah. So... There's a part where it's basically the bottom line is Cliff Booth is having a hard time getting any stunt work. Mm-hmm. And they have this kind of revelation as to why. Mm. Why can't he get any stunt work? And Quentin does this part where he breaks down, he shows this this scene. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Cliff is a stuntman on the Green Hornet. Okay. And there's this backstage part where Bruce Lee, you know, is walking around saying, I could fight in, you know, I could beat uh, uh, Muhammad Ali. Like yeah. he could, he could w- beat him in a fight. Yeah. I, I know I've seen this in the commercial. I, my hands are registered weapons. Yeah. If I use them, I kill you. Mm-hmm. I go to jail. And then, you know, Cliff is like, you're not really saying anything special. If anybody kills anybody, they go to jail. It's called manslaughter. Uh-huh. So that interaction right there kind of paints <laughs> Bruce Lee to be this arrogant guy. Right. Like the audacity to say, I could beat Muhammad Ali. Sure. And Cliff, they get back and forth and they go back and forth and they have this little scuffle and it's like the best two out of three knocking the guy down, no punches to the face or whatever. So for first part, Bruce Lee hits Cliff, Cliff knocks him down. Second part, they go, yeah, 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 yeah. Cliff throws Bruce Lee into a car, mm-hmm. Th- puts a dent in the car. That's the whole interaction we're talking about here. Okay. So this is a quote um, is Cliff Dalton a real guy? No. Totally fictional. Totally made up. All right, so it seems to Cliff me... Cliff Booth, excuse me. Cliff, Cliff Booth. Uh, it seems to me that people would probably take umbrage with somebody, with Bruce Lee, the great Bruce Lee, mm-hmm. his legacy being almost slandered. Like, this fictional guy beat you up, and, and you're... Is, was he actually cocky? I don't know anything about Bruce from, Lee. Yeah, from, from, from what I said, from what I understand, 
Um, Bruce Lee was a pretty, you know, arrogant guy. He's pretty yeah, full I mean, of himself. He's confident. You know what I'm saying? Skills. And as far as Quentin Tarantino says, there is an actual, like, this actually happened. Mm-hmm. You know, Bruce Lee actually said that he felt like he could beat Muhammad Ali. Okay. You know what I mean? So the argument is that from, from Bruce Lee's family, specifically his, I believe his daughter is saying, Tarantino seems to have gone out of his way to make fun of my father and portray him as a kind of buffoon. Uh, yeah, okay. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. what do you want? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this whole thing? You haven't seen the movie, but the idea. Of- yeah, I mean, the idea lands with me. I understand. I also understand the, you know, the daughter of anyone. I wouldn't want to see anybody clown on my father, you know, period. So I, w- I would have feelings. And I'm, I'm sure that there are also feelings that are associated with this, with the fact that I don't think there are a lot of uh, uh, people of color as stars in this movie. Like the protagonists mm-hmm. are all mm-hmm. white actors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure there's a component where it's like, this is racially charged. It's easy to make fun of this this Chinese man because he's different. He speaks this way, and also you whooped his ass, so you're kind of putting a stain on his legacy. I see why people would be upset because it makes sense to me. But I also register this. I'm I'm thinking about this on the fly right now. Right. right? Uh, I register this. Bruce Lee was more than a man. He was a celebrity. Mm-hmm. He was a figure. Mm-hmm. You know. And so I think revisiting that figure, it is possible to get real hyperbolic. And stretch him out into an exaggeration and play with that exaggeration, mm-hmm. which could be the product of this th- this scene. That's that's how we got this scene, mm-hmm. uh, this depiction. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. I understand why people are hurt on it. I don't know if it is hitting me as like a a tremendous crime, but I can I still see it. I get I get it. Mm-hmm. I know some people straight up just they they take. Uh, they take issue with Quentin Tarantino and his movie-making period. Yeah. I mean, like, my man's not... Are you pre- one of those people? I, I, I'm i kind of. I mean, he's not pristine on, the on like, race relations for me. Listen, I'm watching Reservoir Dogs again. There's a lot of niggas in that movie. Yeah. So, it's a lot, it's a lot of... Yeah. I'm watching it, and I'm going, yee! Yeah. Whoa! Like, these guys... Are there any... Are straight-up racist. Yeah. Like, all the guys, Mr. This, Mr. That, Mr straight up full on what are you some kind of you know you know yeah. what i mean what are you, what are you, you come out of there acting like it was like what and it's, whoa you know it's played for laughs right yeah. and i understand to a certain extent like this is a character yep. you wrote a character mm-hmm. the character is racist mm-hmm. it's a part of the people that you wrote mm-hmm. so i'm not going to like i mean like tarantino movies are intense. Yes. Yeah. They're they're extreme flavors. They're not mild. You know what I mean? It's like hot ones. Like you're gonna bite into a wing and go, whoa. Mm-hmm. Like that is sweet. That is hot. That is so when he's got a racist guy on the screen, he's really, really racist. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And and, and to clarify, it's not just reservoir dogs, but this is a known trope yeah. of Tarantino movies. Sam, Sam, when Sam Jackson's character sees Django come on that horse, what's that nigga doing up on that nag? 
<laughs> like that that dude was really really like that's a that's an extreme character and that's like that's i i would i would argue and i have, i would have to go back and probably rewatch jackie brown as uh-huh. well but i would argue it's probably one of the only times that tarantino has had you know uh a black actor playing a character who is wrestling with race and racism as opposed to just you know tossing it in there you know right. for fun because it's funny. Right. Right. So, I mean, I, it definitely makes sense to me from the standpoint of somebody who was outraged over the depiction of Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. I can look at Tarantino's body of work and say, explain to me how this isn't racist. Well, I think that that's a big jump for... To, to I think it's a big jump to go up to a person and go, I'm going to just assume you're racist mm-hmm. because of the characters you've written in these movies that are racist characters in racist, you know what I'm saying? Like, I guess it's not like you're walking around acting, living in your own personal life. Mm -hmm. You are this racist person. Sure. You are telling stories that have racist people in them. I feel it's a little slippery slope because you wouldn't approach Quentin Tarantino and say, I think you're going to kill someone because you keep putting death in your movies. Right. So I, I, but I also do understand looking at all that work and say, you know, you did write that script. You did. You did make those choices. Mm-hmm. So you are revealing a pattern of yourself. Well, I, I look at, um, it might not be all of yourself, but you are showing me something. I look at this whole Bruce Lee thing, right? I grew up loving Bruce Lee. Still yeah. love Bruce Lee. He's incredible. Huge Bruce Lee purchased and owned and read the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. Yeah. Read all these, read all these books, watched all these movies documentaries love the guy you know mm-hmm. when i watched the movie didn't even flinch mm-hmm. didn't even flinch like sure. didn't even make me think twice because that part of the movie is about cliff booth yeah. it's not about bruce lee and it doesn't even show cliff booth beating bruce lee to a pulp it's not it's it's not tarantino violence yeah, yeah. it's kind of like bravado yeah it's two guys who are squaring off with one another one guy's claiming i'm the baddest man on earth another guy's going no you ain't and he's going oh i'm not come see me on this mat yeah choke the guy unconscious you know what i'm saying it's 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 been a lot of ways it's the same interaction i told you in the beginning of the episode that's right about the wrestling match like you know you keep talking trash you keep saying this stuff about me. Come out here and do something. Sure. And then you came out here and did something. And whatever happened, happened. Sure. So that interaction is a real life possibility. Mm-hmm. And I know Bruce Lee has dealt with people challenging him on his on, on movie sets. Like that's actually sure. happened. Sure. But here's the one thing about me and Bruce Lee. The one, and it's not even about Bruce Lee. It's about how people see Bruce Lee mm-hmm. that I've always taken issue with. What's that? Back to the UFC thing. 94 is where I first found out about the UFC, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Before that, I told you about um, Bloodsport. Which you rewatched recently. Yeah, and yep. how um, Frank Dukes. Frank Dukes. It's basically a bio, biopic. It, it, <laughs> about a story he told everyone was true. Yes. Yeah. So, Which is not. Right. But so, it's amazing that somebody said that. Yeah, like at the end of Bloodsport, it's like, Frank Dukes owns the, and you're like wait 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 as a grown man I'm like wait 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 a minute wait this is this is supposed to, blood sports supposed to be based on a true story 
<laughs> I did not pick that up before. No. So not but, when I, the first time I watched it, I was a kid. Of course, we're, I think a lot of us were kids. Yeah. But the reason why I bring it up now is that before the UFC, martial arts was full of a bunch of nonsense. I am twelfth degree black red belt in tang black foe do ho do like just making up stuff and just you know what i mean so the ufc when i saw the ufc it was like whoa mm-hmm. this is real there's no debate there's no conversation about that that little brazilian guy just beat the biggest tallest strongest hugest guys i've ever seen mm-hmm. and he's doing it again and again and again and i personally remember going whatever he knows I need to learn it. Uh, and I think that's how a lot of people were. Because uh-huh. before that, we have Ninja Turtles and Bruce Lee movies and Jet Li movies and Jackie Chan movies. We have Kung Fu and Flying Through the Air. And we love those movies. But there's a certain part of that that's like we used to think that's what martial arts really was. Yeah. And then the UFC grounds it. Yeah. And I remember around that time and growing up, people were like, man, Bruce Lee would not kill all of those dudes. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, 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 wait. I love Bruce Lee like the next man. But when I started learning real martial arts, I was like, we Bruce Lee's not a fighter fighter. Mm-hmm. He's not like a champion. Mm-hmm. He's not the baddest man on earth. Sure. That's like saying Sylvester Stallone is the heavyweight champion. Uh-huh. Sylvester Stallone boxes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, he won a truck and over the top. I watched it. <laughs> right. That's like saying Steven Seagal is the baddest man on earth. Yeah. That's like saying John claude at Dan would beat anybody up. Sure. It's the same, but people, because they honor and lift Bruce Lee up so high, and I am and was one of those people, mm-hmm. they lift him up so high. The idea of anyone defeating Bruce Lee is disrespectful to even utter those words is disrespectful but are you saying what those people are remembering and what they are cherishing is the image that bruce lee created in his movies the idea of bruce lee not the man is the baddest man on earth right and i think what's being captured in that moment is at least to me it all gets crystallized down into i would beat muhammad i would be cassius clay muhammad ali like Mm-hmm. And Cliff Booth is like, what? Mm-hmm. In in my and to me, I'm Cliff Booth. I'm going, come on, pal. Mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali is a fighter. Rumble in the jungle, like George Foreman. Are you kidding me? Well, like, I guess I guess a part of this too is you know this movie itself. Once upon a time in Hollywood is a rumination on movie making. Exactly. And movie magic. Exactly. And so it seems like maybe the scene is more is less about Bruce Lee. It, that's the point. And more about the the. the the whole, what's the word I'm not trying to say? You can't the see illusion. my hands. The illusion of Hollywood. Sure. And that's what I took that scene. It basically just kind of boiled it down into you're so caught up in this Hollywood thing. And you're so caught up in training Shannon Tate on <laughs> martial arts moves that you walk around telling all these Hollywood people that you could beat Muhammad Ali when I, a Green Beret, and a stuntman, I'm going, huh, yeah, mm-hmm. you can't even beat me. Mm-hmm. That's what that moment is about. Sure. That's what it's about. It's about calling out the Hollywoodness of this guy and everyone gathering around going, ooh, yeah, yeah. Sure. And me being a real dude and going, come on, man. You couldn't even be Hoist Gracie. I get, I, I completely get that. I completely understand that. And that, that makes sense to me. I also do totally understand why people will have a hard time with that, given the storyteller who made that scene possible. Huh. I completely get that. Yeah. I, I totally get that. 
Because I, I, you know, you, no one is absolute anything. No one is absolute innocent. No one is absolute vile. No one is absolute this opinion or that, right? But what I know of you is uh-huh. you have shown yourself to have this angle on making light of other people, people of color, whether they're black or they're this goofy depiction of my father, Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of things are getting twisted up in this moment where people's ideas, their memories of who this man is are twisted up with the fiction of who this man was. And the movie itself is creating a fictional character to fight the real Bruce Lee who is purporting himself but, to be but, a fictional but character. That, but yeah, but that's what I'm saying. This is the same guy who killed... Hitler and yeah. burned him up in a movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so there's a certain not part- Bruce Lee, by the way. Hitler. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? So that there's a certain part of this is like my favorite part re- of Enter the Dragon is when Bruce Lee. <laughs> this is revisionist Hitler. history. Like, this isn't yes. real. This isn't a documentary. Well, that's, this is a that's, guy making making a story. It says once upon a time dot 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 in Hollywood. That's it's the a key. story. I think that's the key. The, the the key that you just unveiled. This isn't real. No. And and in in the minds of most people, yourself included, this isn't real. Right. In the mind of a family member of Bruce Lee, someone will say, "You invented a person to clown on my real dad." Who was real. He was a real man. But it wasn't a real story. Agreed. Agreed. And so I, I totally get it. If someone made a movie in which, you know, uh, Buckaroo Banzai kicks the crap out of Mr. Tetris, I'd be like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? You invented a dude just to beat up my dad. <laughs> what are you doing? You invented a dude Can I just, just say, to beat up my dad. Apart from that being crude and offensive, that's just imaginative. You went to great lengths. To do that, why would you do that? So I, I totally I, get it. I totally get it. But the thing is, Bruce Lee is your dad, but he's a lot of things to a lot of other people. He's basically a Google search. You know what I'm saying? Whoa. Like, that is the plot of The Matrix 4. <laughs> what? It's just, everything is a Google search. No, but I mean, that's the thing. Like, You're not the chosen you may, one. You may, take, you may take it as that's my dad. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't talk about my mama. Like, you talk about my mom, we're going to fight. Yes. But you got to recognize... He's a Google search. Mm -hmm. He's a statue. He's a Funko Pop. He's a cartoon. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He's a poster. He's a video game. He had a video game. He's a video game character. He's a a downloadable character. That's right. Like, it's Bruce Lee in a lot of ways is like saying Batman. Bruce Lee is an idea. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where, for me, I'm able to digest it pretty simply. And this is, I'm going to read to you what Quentin actually said. This is what Quentin had to say about the whole situation. Quote, Cliff could beat up Bruce Lee, question mark. Brad would not be able to beat up Bruce Lee. But Cliff maybe could. If you ask me the question, who'd win in a fight, Bruce Lee or Dracula, it's the same question. It's a fictional character. If I say Cliff can beat Bruce Lee up, he's a fictional character. So he could beat Bruce Lee up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get it. Simple enough to me. I get it. I, I got to tell you, that I cannot draw a line here where I think anyone is right we're wrong. I just understand the mess. I, I completely well, I think, get it. I think Quentin Tarantino is right about what he just, what the quote I just read. Sure. I think he's right. Mm-hmm. Could Bruce Lee beat up Dracula? Yes or no? Would love to Harry, see that movie. Harriet Tubman, Demon Slayer. Would love there to see a, that movie. There's a comic book called Harriet Tubman, Demon Slayer. You shut up right now. Are I you have serious? The, yes. <laughs> there is a comic book 
called Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer. And there's is that basically bitter root, you know? The the no, 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 no. But, it, but just think but think it it is exactly what you think it is. Uh-huh. Think sounds great. Anime action movie Harriet Tubman has samurai swords. Sounds great. Put her on. Who's going to win in a fight, Harriet Tubman or or, or or demons? Sure. What? What are you talking about? It's a comic book. Oh, okay, I get it. Whatever. Whatever the writer says. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. as long as it's a good story. Yeah. It's it's the Boondocks. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I get it. So for me, I'm like, whatever, man. Like, I, I get that you're upset, but I'll, there's another part of me that's like, he's playing around. I, he is playing around, and and I I I also understand. Totally understand. This is. An idea, this is a story being told by a person who some people probably just mistrust based mm-hmm. on all the stuff that he's put out anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows? I'm a fan of his movies, even though I, I clock them as being problematic as hell. Yeah. So I, I, I can make apologies in in these cases because I'll say, look, I, I kill people in GTA, but it's not going to make me a killer. I watch stuff that is offensive and I don't agree with, but it's not going to make me think a certain way mm-hmm. I, I can do that for myself for all i know the do- i wish i i knew her name actually the daughter of bruce lee has never been a fan of his work and so this shannon is just lee. like shannon lee so for all i know shannon lee has never been a fan of reservoir dogs and it's probably like man you messed up from the jump and this is just one more thing so i i i, do I was get- waiting for you to say my dad's name i was <laughs> waiting for you to say something about my dad yeah right say something else i don't like it's going to be a misunderstanding when I see you. What I believe Shannon Lee needs to do now, the only appropriate recourse, is to make Dracula versus Quentin Tarantino. Ooh. Okay? Where Ooh. Dracula beats up Quentin Tarantino okay. in a movie. That is interesting. How come How come nobody ever makes the... Uh the Dracula, the Dracula. I mean, the uh, Quentin, Tar- the movie where Quentin Tarantino is in the movie. That's, I'm going to see it. Well, the reason that why they don't do it is because any movie he's in, he is the worst part. He is the worst part. Reservoir Dogs, from dusk till dawn. I'm trying to think of other examples. I hate when he puts himself in movies. I hate it. I hate it. It his, is his voice is in uh, Once Upon a Time. It makes me embarrassed because his acting is so weird. Anyway, Quentin Tarantino, thank you for your five star <laughs> and positive comment. We did have to take that off the iTunes page because it had a lot of cusses. In it. Thank we, you for the uh, nine movies. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't want to get fly for that. Give us a Kill Bill <clears throat> 3, please. Uh, if that happens, I'd be very happy. Mm-hmm. All right. Are we done? That's it. Now, look, we say we're done. That's the podcast. If you've noticed, Octavius and I have been busy. In the past few days, we have put out a new Lil Junto. It's out there. About Hobbs and Shaw, which we didn't even get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, suffice to say, we disagree on Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, we put somebody out somebody right and somebody's wrong. That's what we say. It's the mantra. We have put out multiple clips from uh, previous episodes from episode one thirteen. Yeah, uh, expect some more clips. We've got Man Thing Minute that's coming out on a regular basis as well. I'm doing mm-hmm. more Man Thing minutes. Yeah, uh, much to the chagrin of the world. <laughs> no, Man Thing minutes. Uh, <laughs> Man Thing minutes. Just let me do this official slogan. Nobody asked for it. It's Man Thing Minute. Here it goes. Uh, like, hit, hit, go. We're, uh, we're getting busy with Comic Book Junto. We're trying to be more diligent and consistent with the stuff that we're putting out. Yes. And engage. Uh, please make sure you follow us on our Instagram, which is popping right now. Mm-hmm. At Comic Book Junto on Instagram. 
our stories, our IGTV. We're putting stuff up regularly. Putting stuff on YouTube as well. That's right. Putting stuff on our Facebook page as well. That's right. Putting stuff on- Which is new. We're doing a new no, Facebook, Facebook, Facebook oh, you're page. Right. You're right. I got the wrong nomenclature. No yeah, you got it. Uh-huh. Go ahead though. We, uh, so Facebook page, the new content is being listed up there. And we have a new Facebook group. Now we've had a comic book Junto Facebook group for a long time. Yes. And an excellent one. And if you have been a member in that and participated in that, we love y'all. You're the greatest. Yes. You are the friends of the Junto. You are the Junto. Yes, indeed. Uh, and that's, that's powerful. Now we realized that that was behind a wall and that was only for people who were participating in the Patreon and we want to open it up. We, we want it to be a true discourse. We want it to be a real party. We want more people to be a part of it if they want to let themselves inside. So what we did is we done blowed up the, the, the existing group mm-hmm. and made a new group and everyone's welcome. All right. And we want to have great times in there and good discourse and fun discussions and share stuff. And hopefully that's a lot of fun. So uh, join that. We'll make sure that we link to that somewhere. Yep. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash groups forward slash comic book Junto. There it is. Basically on Facebook, look up the comic book Junto group. It will be closed, but you'll just have to ask to be brought into it. And then we'll uh, let you in as long as you agree to follow our group rules. Yep. Simple rules is about being, you know, an excellent and groovy human being, respectful and all that. I didn't see groovy in there. I didn't approve anything that said groovy. I got to just, I got to add that. Okay. Now that I said that. So uh, we're Must busy. Must be groovy. We're busy. We're real busy. And I'm having a great time. I want to shout out you, Octavius, for putting in a, a ton of work, making these headliner clips and doing the stuff on YouTube and putting stuff up on our Facebook group. You've been busting your butt, and I appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Adam, I appreciate you as well. We've both been working very hard to come up with some cool stuff. Yeah. In a way to like maximize what we're already doing and try to expand out into doing more stuff. Yeah. So please join us on a Facebook group. That's right. Please follow us on Instagram at Comic Book Junto, Twitter at Comic Book Junto, um, YouTube, Comic Book Junto as well. Check mm-hmm. out all the stuff there. And if you're interested in sharing the sh- Junto to expand the people who are a part of it, please do. Yes. Share an episode, share a clip, share something funny. We love to see you guys comment. So comment on SoundCloud, comment, leave us five stars and a positive comment on iTunes. It's been a long time since we've read an iTunes review, but we have a, a, a plethora of them. We have a great amount of them. I'd love to see some new ones. If you leave us a, a comment on iTunes or you want to hit us up with a question, I think we'll get around to that in future episodes. Yeah. Ask CBJ, honestly. One of the reasons, Hashtag ask CBJ. One of the reasons why we haven't done as much is because we're waiting for us to get, we're waiting to get new questions. Mm-hmm. So if you join the Facebook group, that's a way to ask us questions. Also, hashtag ask, C, ask CBJ on Twitter is another good way to ask us questions. Mm-hmm. So we're looking forward to engaging with you guys in various places. And we're just excited about who's here. We're excited about talking to you, hearing from you, being with you as best as we can. So we really want to do the best we can to give you guys content that you like. That's right. Stuff that's helpful to you, entertaining to you, informative to you, because that's the kind of stuff I want to see on the internet. That's what I come to the internet for. That's right. For fun, for entertainment, to be engaged, to be thoughtful. That's what we hopefully, that's what we hope to provide for you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's fan art of man thing. And that, uh, those, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Engagement, community, everything you said verbatim, Vis-a-vis, ergo, 
and ampersand ergo man thing fan Lisa art. V. Mm-hmm. What if I can? What if I fail? <laughs> <laughs> what is this movie about? No one knows. Anyway, that's it. Episode one fourteen. See you on the internet. We love y'all. Until next time. Peace. Oh, oh, oh.